It's Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking Football. So, very good day, everybody. Welcome to Talking Football with Rob and Vince. Our date today is the 23rd of November 2023. I can't believe how fast this month has gone. Let's tell you about our weather. Colder at night, uh, nice and warm still in the daytime, although it is forecast for being a bit uh, cooler today. Definition on the mountain is very nice. Uh, the plants are all looking good. Um, yeah, not a bad day in prospect. We go due west, uh, sensible driving for about an hour. I should catch Rob around somewhere like uh, San Juan or somewhere like that. So good morning to you, Rob. How are you and what's your weather like? Yeah, good morning, Vince. Good morning, everybody. Oh, it's a beautiful day down here today, Vince. I'm uh, just looking out the window now, and uh, it's nice sunshine. It's obviously uh, we're in autumn now, so uh, the leaves have fallen off the trees, and there's a guy raking them up out uh, in the park out back. Um, fortunately, he's using one of those blower machines. If he does turn it on, then I'll shut the windows. But yeah, it's, it's a beautiful autumn day down here, Vince. Okay. Well, now then, this time of the year, it really is uh, annoying that, um, you know, you get the, the Premier League going. And then because it suits maybe probably the, um, uh, the, the I don't know, is, is, is it the match times and everything in, in America or is it uh, the um, Arab world? It just appears that, uh, you know, anybody else who's involved in the Premier League um, and, of course, the other leagues around Europe has to take a break. Um, and we watch these contrived and rather uh, puerile uh, games of football. Uh, I watched two England games, which were totally a waste of my uh, hour and a half evening. Um, both times, quite honestly, uh, as a national side, well... To be fair, you know, if I had a lot of money coming in from my Premier League activities and then I'm asked to go and play a useless, uh, meaningless almost uh, game of football, I think I would probably feel like not putting in a full shift. But then, you know, uh, I don't know. You pays your money, it takes your choice. You might totally disagree with me. Um, so as, as a sort of a roundup from Rob, anything take your eye in particular? No, not really, Vince, apart from the fact that we knew, we now know who has qualified and who's going to in the third-place playoffs. Um, and a couple of minnows got slaughtered. I mean, Gibraltar lost 0-6 at home against the Netherlands, for example. Um, Belgium beat uh, one of the other teams, whose name I slipped my mind because they dealt football a nation, but they won 5-0. So, uh, and that, that's all a numbers game, isn't it, that at the end of the day, is how many goals you can get past them. Well, Gibraltar lost uh, to France 14-0, didn't they, as well? Oh, they, yeah, I mean, um, Gibraltar, I'm I, not getting involved in any of the politics and that, because I'm not interested in that. But they've got a population, I think, even lower than San Marino, haven't they? I mean, there's virtually nobody actually uh, was bought, lives there and was born there. Yeah. So, uh, how they've got a national team... In such an important, well, the playoffs, the group stages are not particularly important, but the, it's just how many goals you get past them. Yeah, France got a lot past, I think it was 14, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm reading 14 uh, uh, 0 
uh, France. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how is that going to really help the footballers of Gibraltar? Um, no, I, I don't. I don't particularly like that. But there we are. Uh, but I mean, if they if France can put fourteen past Gibraltar, then I would have uh, thought that Britain, oh, sorry, England could have put two. Uh, more than two past Malta, but uh, that's just the way I feel. Uh, but anyway, um, anything else to take your eye then? Oh, no, would you like to know who's gone through? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'll, I'll just jump down the list then. Make my so day. Yeah, <laughs> Spain, Scotland, Weldon to Scotland, they're in another competition again. France, Netherlands, England, Italy, Turkey, Croatia, Albania. Now, I don't think Albania have ever been in a major competition before. Um, Czech Republic, Belgium, Austria, Hungary, Serbia, Denmark, Slovenia, Romania, Switzerland, Portugal, Slovakia. And the playoffs, um, the draw is going to be, some of the playoffs are already being drawn, but Wales are in the playoffs. And they're going to be drawn at, uh, I think it's one o'clock uh, European time this afternoon. And there's a group of them in there, but Wales is the one that we were looking out for, isn't it, Vince? Yeah. Well, look, um, you know, I'm not going to get too excited about anything that uh, we've talked about. I'm pleased Spain are through. I suppose I'm pleased England are through. Uh, I thought the performance was awful. What was more worrying was that uh, Gareth Southgate made the comment that he thought it was very good. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether or not my eyes have gone bad. Um, normally, I will go down to Specsavers and check, but by the time you've listened to him and then watched VAR on other matters, uh, you begin to wonder whether you're Faculties are going. Uh, quite honestly, I wonder whether they're seeing the same things that we see. They obviously aren't, are they? Well, uh, they obviously aren't, are they, Vince? But uh, also, he's got to put a nice, nice spin on it, hasn't he? He's got to make it sound good. Uh, even though I think I, I didn't watch it live. I didn't watch either of the matches live. I think I had other things to do. Uh, that, I, don't, I, I don't want. Yeah, the teams are playing against new fans. You watching anyway. But he's got to make it sound really positive, hasn't he? Even though it was, a, I would say, a pretty mediocre performance. Well, I suppose really, short of going to a paint company and seeing if he can get a sponsorship, I suppose there's not much else he can do apart from mark his geography homework books while he's watching the game. But anyway, um, <laughs> we'll go to more important matters. So our first talking point of the day, uh, I remind our listeners that football uh, is something that Rob and I passionately uh, uh, love watching, uh, talking about, but more importantly, it's where football is being used for other things. Now, here is my first talking point that um, I hope Rob will enjoy. Okay, so Francesca Needham. Nobody would know her name, his name, that that person's name, whatever the pronoun is we must use, has announced she is to step down from playing football for the foreseeable future for the sake of her club. Now, how many people have heard of Rossington, Maine Ladies, which is based in a former pit village near Doncaster, South Yorkshire? But from uh, far from backing down, the player is threatening to sue as she said, she is abided by all Football Association policies on transgender players. Commenting on her club's Facebook site, she said her side has faced uh, challenges from teams 
unwilling to play against us while I am on the field. The boycott is said to have followed a player suffering a broken knee when blocking a shot from Needham. OK, uh, further on in the article, because I want to give you a good background so that you'll know why this should be discussed, uh, commenting on her club's Facebook site, she said a five-sided face challenges from the teams. Well, we've just talked about that, haven't we? The unfortunate circumstance has prompted me to investigate pursuing a case of discrimination, as I believe it presents uh, and represents a breach of a code of conduct regarding diversity and inclusion, as well as safeguarding of adults in football established by both the Football Association and the Sheffield and Hallamshire Women and Girls League. She said I, uh, she was standing down from the best interests uh, in the best interests of club and teammates, stating it's disheartening to acknowledge that this situation contradicts everything in the diversity and inclusion policies, given that I have diligently met every single requirement set out by the Football Association to play. And she added, I sincerely hope that this issue of perceived discrimination against me can be resolved peacefully and promptly. Needham had received full backing from her club with the ladies' team secretary posting the message, in unity, we defeat discrimination. Uh, you can probably guess it's a trans player and has only played two matches this season, both in October, She after apparently being given clearance by the FE in their first game. Um, the opponent's manager, who was asked not to be named, realised five minutes into the game that she was transgender. OK, Rob, there's the first port of call. Um, how do you feel about reading something like that? What does it make you feel like? So, uh, as I say, Rob, how do you feel about that? Well, it's first off, can I just say you do a very good South Yorkshire accent. Um, but... Uh... I don't really know what to make of it, to be honest. I don't know why it's a news story yet, really. But it has appeared in all of the major uh, newspapers, hasn't it? And not politically biased either. It's, it's, I've, I've looked around all of the newspapers that uh, publish online, for example. I, it is based around football, which is why we're talking about it. But it's not a major talking point for the general public, I don't think. But um, it has caused a lot of discussion amongst... Um, players and ex-players, and it turns out that this uh, person, um, Ms. Needham, um, the, the FA haven't reached, haven't reached any of the uh, rules about uh, equality because um, this, this person is legally classed as a, as a female, but genetically classed as a male because um, they've still got the um, physique and everything. That, she, that they had when they were uh, as a male. And it's an unusual situation, but I would fancy playing against um, somebody like uh, this person because I, I far from me to criticise anybody's personal appearance. However, in this case, I think it's important that uh, we mention it and any, uh, any of us just could look for the pictures. Um, this person looks like a, a minor or something or a bricklayer. Uh, with a wig on. I think I, if I put a wig on, I'd, I'd probably look more um, ladylike than that, even before I shave my beard off. So, going to court about it, it just seems pathetic to me because, uh, well, it's one of these things that I thought of you. As soon as I saw this, I thought about you because you've been 
mentioning this kind of thing for years. I don't think, how far is it going to go? Well, I said... I said that I feel that they will use women's football uh, because they've started to advance certain things in men's football. And so I've picked up another article by Sarah Vine in one of the uh, daily papers. And she says, so while Ms. Needham is a woman in the eyes of society... In her muscles, tissues and bones, she genetically remains, I'm afraid, what nature originally intended to be. That's not prejudice, just reality. Other women don't want to play against her, not because they don't respect her right to identify as a woman, but because physically she has the strength of a man. And in a contact sport like football, that not only gives her an unfair advantage, I believe it also makes her potentially dangerous. Of course, this is not the first time we've been here. The issue of trans women in women's sport is a live one that, for some reason, seems to pose an insurmountable challenge for many. I can't understand why. We don't allow doping in sport, do we? Allowing trans women to compete against biological women is a clear equivalent in truth. Uh, though, uh, hang on, we've got something coming through on my phone now. Sorry about that. I've had to... Uh, clear it are you okay can you hear me still yes i can hear you still Vince. Yeah, but i could hear that uh, sort of buzzing sound in the background as well okay uh but um <laughs> like so many other sporting bodies in recent years they failed to grasp the nettle and act with any degree of common sense around this issue presumably for fear of unleashing a woke backlash but yesterday there were signs that the tide is finally turning. After a long consultation, the International Cricket Council now have followed the leads of the World Cycling Body, the Union Cyclist Internationale, and the World Athletics Council for their sports by announcing a ban on male-born players taking part in international women's cricket. Now, it does seem to me that uh, all this woke stuff is particularly prevalent in Britain. That's where I think the battleground seems to be being fought. And it doesn't surprise me that they've brought in uh, this particular code. So if you uh, have you looked into the code at all? Well, yes, I have. That's uh, why I mentioned pr uh, previously that it doesn't appear that the diversity code has been broken in any way as far as uh, this person is concerned. So what because what the, does the, the what what does the diversity code actually say? Right. Well, there are four points that are listed as the main four points, and it is what they used to call positive discrimination, um, which fifteen percent of new executive appointments and team operations appointments will be from a black, Asian, or a mixed race background, with thirty percent female. Now, um, that is the point, if you like, the crucial point, is that this um, person, in the eyes of society, I don't know who, what society is, but is classed as a female, but physically classed as a male. So it doesn't count because she isn't physically female. Uh, then it goes on, 25% of new coaching appointments will be black, Asian or a mixed race heritage, and a 10% of senior coaching appointments. 50% of new coaching appointments at women's football clubs will be female, with 15% black, Asian, or heritage. 
Shortlist for interview will have at least one male of all female candidates of black, Asian, or of mixed race heritage, provided applicants meet the job specifications to apply. Um, now, that are the points, the, the main four points of this. Okay, and, well, uh, for me, for me. Make of it what you will, everybody. <laughs> Rob, for me, it doesn't mention anything about transgender. The FA, uh, it, from what I'm reading, the FA said the move is the natural evolution of the diversity code, which was launched in 2020 with the aim of tackling racial inequality in the English game. Nothing to do with transgender. In total, 51 clubs from across the Premier League, Football League and Women's Super League have signed up to the voluntary code, with each club having to provide data on their workforce annually. So it's all nothing to do with playing and actual the physical um, difficulties of somebody. It's, it's like, for me, it's more... In the realm of, uh, for example, when maybe you've got young lads and some lads are not as uh, beefy as the other lads. So, you know, the, the, the coaches will have said, right, uh, you go and play with the bigger boys and, um, you, you know, the other ones have got to stay with the with the smaller boys. Uh, you see, this is the nonsense that we're living through. It's not thing. I mean, um, I'm also reading between. August uh, 2022 and 31st of July 2023, the clubs collectively failed to meet any of the, the recruitment targets, although some individual clubs did. So, I mean, basically, it's it's just another nonsense, another layer of idiocy that they're building into sport, which doesn't need to exist. If it's pretty obvious that somebody is likely to injure other people and have an unfair advantage, then really you don't need to be, um, I don't think you need an honours degree in science to realise that there's a quick answer to it, isn't there? Well, there is, yeah. Um, don't, allow it to, don't allow it to play. Um, but, yeah, it's, it doesn't break any of the, uh, of the code, uh, the diversity code, because... That is not an issue in the diversity code. It was all about uh, female, female, and uh, people of mixed race or, or of different heritage. But um, maybe Miss uh, Needham hasn't read the code because well, if she's threatening to take the thought about it, then she's got no chance at all. Uh, are we supposed to refer to T sheet there? You know, what there? But uh, yeah, but they've got she's no chance at all of winning, obviously. But, well. The, the, Even to do so is, is just basically, I think it's probably transgender people, the majority of them are probably very genuine and do it for the right reasons um, because it, they feel that they're in the wrong body. But people like this uh, making sort of big, big statements and things, I don't think it's doing the rest of that community any favours. Well, I don't, I don't know for sure because I'm not a member of that community, but I wouldn't imagine it's doing many favours. Rob, I think we have to get a perspective in the total UK transgender percentage given in the um, the census, it's 0.03%. So we're not talking big numbers straight away. Then you take out all the people who don't play football. 
Then you take out all the males who don't play, who, who might play football, and you're left with probably. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if there were no more than say three or four people we're talking about here. Yeah, and uh, we're talking about one particular individual who is amongst the yeah a very small small minority, um, but it's made the national news. Okay, so so that com- um, so that com- <laughs> that completely shows you how football is being used for political purposes, and quite frankly, I don't think anybody needs it. We're going to move on. Here's the next one coming up. So uh, let's see. Here we go. Now those cars are the the sounds of the cars from football Premier League referees um, rushing down to a new facility they've got. Mark Halsey, who was a former Premier League referee, He's decried the PGMOL's extensive renovation as a waste of money. Now, this is amid a number of controversial VAR calls in the English top flight this season. So, um, I don't know about you, all through my life, if you're involved in anything that is not doing well, or you yourself are not performing the way that you should perform, you don't get rewarded. Yet, tell us about Stockley Park. What's happened at the Stockley Park Centre for referees? Right, Rich. Well, Stockley Park, for anybody who doesn't know, is the centre of the Premier League VAR system. Um, it's not an industrial estate, apparently, but it, it, it sounds a bit like the uh, spy centre in the Second World War, doesn't it? But that's where they're based, this place called Stockley Park. And they've received um, over a billion pounds worth of tune-ups that making the place better, basically. Um, before the start of this season, to improve the elite performance of the Marvel. Now, elite performance, I don't think uh, anyone would agree with that. But they've got a state-of-the-art gym with a futuristic design and plush rating, rating rooms for pre- and post-mass speed groups. Now, this has been designed by a, a, a could be called Populist. Who also designed um, Tottenham Hotspur's um, the Hot Tom Hotspur Stadium, which cost a billion pounds. But amongst other things that they've got um, in there, they've got the usual things such as a lounge, a canteen, and a balcony, a seated area. But they've also got uh, places for them to relax. Now, I'm just seeing if I can find in the in the notes I've got here what they actually call them, but it's um, designated recovery space is uh, one of the places that they've got. An elite conditioning space is another thing that they've got. Now, what they are, what that is actually uh, means, uh, they basically yeah, mean uh, given the red carpentry and doing an absolutely terrible job. So, uh, yeah, they're getting rewarded for things that they don't deserve, I would say. Um, I would, I would put a lot of bread and water in it, uh, until they can uh, get get some decisions right, but uh, that's the situation as it is with. Yeah, look, I am not really trying to promote a conspiracy theory, if or any conspiracy theories, but the the evidence before our very eyes. If we look at the previous one, I gave you the figures. We're probably talking about no more than a half a dozen people, um, possibly in the whole nation. 
And so everybody's got to kowtow to this, according to the Woke Brigade. And then if you go to the VAR centre, everybody can see that it's being used to promote uh, a lot of uh, ridiculous, ridiculous ways of adjudicating um, football. You know, now is the idea to, to try and stop us all from watching the game? Is that what it's all about? Is the idea that um, th- that we all get so disillusioned that when the Americans eventually step in and say, well, we'll take over the league, um, we then count out to the Americans and we watch the American adverts. And I don't know if you noticed, by the way, in the online newspapers now, this is just to show you how cunning all this is. You get the English news in the English newspapers and then suddenly it all starts to become American news when obviously their day starts breaking. But why would you want all the English news to suddenly be superimposed by all the American news. Do you get my drift in this, by the way? Because I feel that somewhere in the mix is the American desire to get hold of the Premier League. If you think uh, this is a silly su- su- silly suspicion, then just remember that they've, they've done well with the, ga- the ladies' game in America and they're pushing it like crazy. So much so that the minute you've got a break in the uh, in the Premier League, what do we get? We get total avalanche of women's Super League advertising, putting people... I mean, you'll see an advert going through and you think, hang on, Liverpool playing Manchester City, that's... Oh, that's a man's game. Oh, that's, that's OK. You suddenly realise all the other advertising is for women's games. It's the sneaky way it's done that I object to. And I think that by all means, there's a, a definite place for women and women's football. But let's be honest about it. It's not in the middle of the men's game. That's how I see it. Now, I think I think also the VAR is another sneaky aspect to this. We've seen how stupid the whole thing's got. So if you're going to talk about logical people doing logical things, then for me, eventually... I think there'll come an offer that either the Arabs or the Americans will want to take over the Premier League. They've got 10 of the clubs already, minimum. Tell me I'm daft. Yeah. Uh, you're daft, Vince. <laughs> she said, tell me you're daft. But, uh, no, I, I know exactly what you're saying. It's, uh, so will the listeners. Um, but it's, it's very, very uh, contrived, isn't it, all this advertising for women's football. Again, I don't mind women playing football. I'm all in favour of everyone playing football. And football being um, the most, um, well, the most watched sport and played sport in the world still. Um, but it's just been forced upon us. And this VAR situation, um, which isn't really related to women's football, but it is related to football and everything else that's going on in the world. I speak with a lot of Spanish people, as you know, and a lot of people throughout the world, really, because I, I am involved in the world of football in the sense that I know lots of people so, so do you and everybody in Spain they it's the same kind of situation with the VAR um, and the general consensus seems to be that it's not going to change because uh, UEFA and FIFA are behind it and uh, people have the same kind of opinion as we do about as I do at least about UEFA and FIFA I, I wouldn't trust them as far as you can throw them 
Okay, uh, I'm going to do a little roundup of a couple of other little things that uh, I wasn't going to put in, but looking at the time, uh, I think we've got time to mention three things. Okay, now the first one is Benjamin Mendy has gone to war with Manchester City after launching a multi-million pound claim against them over unpaid wages. Mendy was accused of raping a 24-year-old woman in a bedroom at his home in Cheshire in October 2020. He was also charged with the attempted rape of a 29-year-old woman at his home two years earlier. Mendy, who continually denied both charges and was found not guilty. Make sure everybody is aware of that. He was found not guilty by the jury at Chester Crown Court. Um, saw Man City stop paying his £100,000 a week wages in September 2021. Now, um, I don't know about you, I would have thought legally, if he has been found not guilty, then we have a dilemma because that sort of money to be paid for somebody who's done nothing um, is a, an awful lot of money, isn't it? But on the same um, on the same th- thinking process, if he's been found not guilty by a jury, then there's obviously no no case to answer. Man City have got to pay up, haven't they? Well, I would say so. I'm not a legal expert, Vince, as you know. But uh, having read that story myself. Um, he was found not guilty, and which made, and that was by a jury. And it, the trial went on for a long time. They looked into all of the different uh, scenarios that he was accused of, and he was found not guilty on all charges. Which means we, he's, he's not guilty. Um, you've got to believe in the the jury system, haven't you? I think you and have. While he was still under contract with City, but they stopped paying his weight um, because he wasn't allowed to. They 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 bring him to. I don't think it was the law that stopped him playing. So I think they own the money, don't you? I think they definitely do. I mean, I, I, I don't particularly like anything involving rape. My n- normal gut reaction is to be totally against anybody that might have been involved. But if but he's he been clear... He was found not guilty, Vince. He was found not guilty. But that's what I'm saying. So therefore, he didn't do what he was... You can imagine what that man must have been put through. Exactly. Uh, that's yeah, it. I know he was, I know he was a bit of a naughty lad because he took women back to his uh, mansion and things like that. But he didn't actually rape anybody, and he did. He, he was falsely accused, and he was been through. Yeah. Um, it's impossible to imagine what he must have been. I think he's definitely, so, yeah. he's definitely, I don't, I don't like the money, you know how many t- years I've talked about the money being all wrong, but in this case, I think there's a clarity that's come from the court judgment as we go next to West Ham's Vladimir Kufel. And he is among three players sent home from the Czech national team after they broke rules by going out partying ahead of a vital Euro 24-24 qualifier. Uh, his teammates Jakub Brebec and Jan Kuchta were also kicked out of the squad. Um, and why was this? For violating national team rules in a fundamental way. By visiting a nightclub on a Saturday night, having drawn in Poland on the Friday, the players were supposed to be recuperating and preparing for the Monday night's home qualifier against Moldova, where a win or draw would see them through to the finals. My question to you is, he's been punished by the national squad. Would you, if you were from West Ham's team, would you also add a a fine to him? 
No. Uh, no, as a, the first instant reaction to uh, what you've just said is it's a national Czech national team issue. Uh, he hasn't broken any West Ham rules. And uh, uh, the, uh, the Czech national team actually got through. Now, I can't remember the result because we talked about this at the beginning of the programme. But um, I don't, they weren't obviously playing these three players. But no, when he gets back to West Ham... Um, I don't think he'll receive. He should receive any kind of uh, further sort of. Well, I think he should because uh, basically, basically, he's under the West Ham. Uh, he is representing them. He's gone to. Uh, uh, he wanted to do that, or if if he didn't want to, he should have said that he didn't want to and didn't and wouldn't go. But when you're representing your club. I think it behoves you to actually behave, especially when you're on an international fixture. And if it was me, I would give him either a very strong caution or a, a fine, because quite frankly, he's uh, brought the name of West Ham into disrepute. OK, the next one is a, pr- a former... I, I, I imagine that David Moyes will give him a strong target when he gets back. But I don't know if he'll get a sanction. We'll have to wait and see. But David Boys won't be happy about it. OK, a former, the last one, a former Premier League star has revealed he's currently banned from playing at one of the UK's most expensive uh, golf clubs. Uh, why? Well, he was annoying club chiefs with his drunken behaviour. Uh, this was earlier this year. Uh, the ex-midfielder made 90 Premier League appearances for three different clubs between 2005 and 2010. 45 now, plenty of hobbies away from the pitch, including golf, previously signed up to the swanky Sunningdale Golf Club in Berkshire, where it cost £92,000 to become a full member, with an annual fee of £9,500, taking it just past the £100,000 mark overall. Former Wigan, Fulham and Hull City star, Jimmy Bullard, his name is, has confessed that his membership was taken away recently after he took things a bit too far following a few drinks. I'm not allowed to go again, he told snooker legend Stephen Hendry. OK, do you agree with him being fined and banned for that? Well, <laughs> if he broke the club rules, uh, I mean, these expensive golf clubs, I know there's a lot of sports people uh, go to them, but there's also a lot of uh, retired colonels and things happen, there's a lot of genteel folk, especially in places like Berkshire. And if he was making a real fool of himself, um, drunk, we don't know exactly what he was doing. He, he, might, be a, he might be a temporary man, I mean, I'm not sure. Um, they'll probably let him back in um, sooner or later, but yeah, I think, I think if he's making a, drunk and making a fool of himself in front of lots of other people and annoying other people, then uh, at least a temporary man, I think he deserves it, yeah. There is forty-five years old. He should know how to behave better. There is something that goes with the the salaries that these people have been paid and had been paid. The trouble really is that I don't think there's the mentality that uh, you know the likes of Bobby Charlton. You would never have expected any smear at all from the likes of Bobby Charlton. But if you're going to be paid this sort of money. There is something that goes, for me, it goes with the status that you get. If you're, a, um, if you're a privileged person and you are not even able to uh, appreciate the good things that you're given in life, look around you. That's what I say. Look at uh, all the people that haven't got anything. Look at the people in the wars in Israel and, and uh, obviously in the Ukraine uh, and everywhere else where there's war. And uh, then you 
you tell me that uh, you can get all this privilege and you don't have anything that goes with it, sorry, the word that goes with it is responsibility. Rob, I'm pontificating. I'm going to move on. I'm going to go to Rob's La Liga next. So uh, here we go. Rob's La Liga jingle coming up. La Liga Roundup with Rob Daniels. Okay, Rob, so um, I think that I'm right in saying that uh, as with the Premier League, La Liga's had a break and we should be going back. uh, And some good games, by the way, in the English uh, football leagues uh, below the Premier League during the break. But that's another thing. So um, what we got on offer? Right, well, yeah, there was a break last week for the international break. So the table stands as it was before with uh, Girona at the top. Um, this week we've got um, the full line of play. Uh, one, of the, one of the most interesting matches for me personally is Real Sociedad Sevilla because Real Sociedad United um, and Sevilla are not doing very well this season. However, um, they are a good team. Um, Kirona, who are the leaders at the moment, have played Athletic Bilbao at home. So that should be an interesting one. Real Madrid are playing Cadiz away. Um, they might spring a surprise on them because Real Madrid are not 100% at all at the moment, but it's unlikely. Uh, Barcelona are also playing away at Real Madrid, which is a team from Madrid. Uh, Valencia have got Salta Vigo at home. And uh, yeah, there's a full lineup, and uh, it should be interesting because after the week's break, uh, they'll have to get back into a game, won't they? Because you mentioned previously that the, the week off it takes away the rhythm, doesn't it, of the season? It does. They'll get back into it. They'll get back into it. It does. Okay. Now we've got twenty minutes to discuss um, the fixtures coming up in the Premier League. So, uh, without any further ado, I think we go to that. And of course, the big game, as far as I'm concerned, certainly, um, and most people, because it's the top two in the Premier League meet. At midday, or just after, uh, I think it's about one o'clock here in in Spain, uh, but you'll probably confirm that for me. And it's Man City at home to Liverpool. Uh, Two great teams, two great squads, two great managers. Should be a very good game. Uh, Any ideas on that one? Well, that should be a very good game, Vince. And just to confirm, it's on Saturday the 25th of November, which is uh, this Saturday, and it kicks off at 12.30 UK time, 1.30 European time. All the listeners will be able to work out their own time zones. But it's one that should be worth watching if you watch it. It's difficult to predict, but I would say City playing at home. I would say City have probably got the edge. Um, I'll, I'll put it down as a, a 2-1 to City wins. Okay. Okay. Well, I've put it down as two-two, um, and you're absolutely right. It's not a fixture uh, that I really would think straight away uh, that that we should win. Uh, the trouble is, you see, um, exactly what you've just said is the fact that we've um, now lost any sort of rhythm. You've got all sorts of players coming back. We don't know whether they're injured. We don't know whether or not, um, you know, they're sort of, um, I don't know. Well, I should imagine they've all been training. But the thing is, you can't really get your team training the way that you would want it to be. 
Um, so for me, I, I just think the whole thing has become a total and utter um, interruption. And it's almost like we get three cracks of a start to the season, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's almost like it does seem to be that way, doesn't it? Oh, there's a, <clears throat> there's, there's a very intestinal brace during the, uh, this season, at least. And it does take away the rhythm of the uh, league season. And it does throughout the whole of uh, Europe and also the uh, different continents because uh, the South Americans have been playing uh, matches as well um, over the last week or so. I'm not sure what they're qualifying for, but um, yeah, I think it's been I think it's been a break, international break throughout the football world, and it does take away the sort of natural rhythm of the uh, of the domestic leagues. But um, th- that's we don't set the timetable, and the players don't set the timetable, so. Um, they have to put up with it and we have to put up with it. Oh, hang, hang on, Rob. Hang on to that point. Somebody sets the timetable. Somebody's knowing full well that all... Don't forget, uh, you don't hear anything at all about the carbon footprint or climate change when you've got all these players who have all got to make journeys around the world for, for really often a meaningless game. And it just it's the hypocrisy that gets me. That's really what I object to more than anything else. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, uh, how many teams? Multiply that by, I don't know, 20 people because it's probably not just the player, but there's attendant people that are going. So there's all these people all travelling round, um, producing more carbon f- footprint, and yet you don't hear one person ever mention it. Don't you find that strange, Rob? Yes, I do find it strange, actually, Vince, and... Uh... Yeah, because especially the uh, a lot of South American players and the African players, they who play in Europe, they have to travel a long way to a very long way, the other side of the world, basically, to play their international matches. They play the match, they can get back on the plane again to come back and play the next league match. And it is um, a waste of you know, it's carbon footprint, if we're talking about that. The people who go to support them, who don't live in the country or in big countries who live away from wherever they play in the matches, it is a massive movement of people. Um, but I'll say, somebody does set the timetable. I think it's FIFA who set the timetable. This is, but, the, uh, this is the same FIFA who can't organise the VAR, but they can manage to do something like this. So, you know, hypocrisy. We go to the second game. Luton... <laughs> Luton are playing Crystal Palace. To pick it up, Luton had lost at Manchester United by a stuffy Manchester United 1-0. And Crystal Palace had been at home to Everton and um, Everton had won that one 3-2 at Crystal Palace. So it's a almost a London derby. Luton just a bit outside. Um, but Luton at home to Crystal Palace. How do you see that one panning out? Well, it depends how Luton actually come back after the international break. I'm not sure if Luton are bound to have some international players, but um, if they're fired up for it, because they they will be very disappointed with the last couple of results. They are, are fighting to stay up. They are unlikely to stay up, but I, if Luton are up for it, I can see Luton is two one. Okay. If up for it. Okay. Well, um, so you're going two one. I'm going two two. Another 2-2, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, Newcastle are playing Chelsea. 
Just to recap, Chelsea had a thrilling game against Manchester City. I thought that was a fantastic game, uh, which, of course, was interfered with by VAR, as you'd expect. Um, And Newcastle, what did they do on their last outing? They went to Bournemouth. And they weren't very good, actually. I was a bit disappointed, to say the very least. They got beaten 2-0 at Bournemouth. So, um, give us your prediction for Newcastle versus Chelsea. Well, Newcastle are in a bit of a rocky time at the moment, aren't they? In the last five matches, they've won two out of five, drawn two and lost one. Um, Chelsea are about the same sort of uh, performance level, if you like. But Chelsea seem to be coming up... um, after all the money they've spent. But at uh, St James's Park, I can't see Newcastle throwing it away. So I'll, I'll put this down as a th- I'll put this down as a three one to Newcastle wins. Okay, uh I I'm not gonna do the pools panel much of a favour. I think it's a three three draw for me. Oh right. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the funny thing is, you see, you can predict, you can put as much thought as we try to put into these predictions. But, um, I mean, everything defies logic. And when you have teams play that haven't played for so long, um, then you really find it very difficult to predict. Nottingham, uh, they're at home to, uh, where are we, Brighton. Uh, Nottingham, they went to West Ham last and they got beaten 3-2. Brighton, um, they were away, I think. Let me see where I've got Brighton. No, they were at home to Sheffield United. At home, you would have thought that would be a big win for them. It was 1-1. So this is why I say it's so difficult to predict. What do you think of that one? Well, right after a bright start to the season, uh, it sort of dropped off a little bit. And as we know, uh, Forest, they, they, they're doing very well this season, actually, at Forest. Um, but they're fighters because they nearly went down last season and uh, Steve Cooper, he knows, he knows how to get them to fight. Um, I can see this being a draw, actually. I'll go for a draw on this one. I'll go for a two on this one. That's the two-two. OK, so you're 2-2. I'm 1-3. Uh, I think Brighton have got to come back to where they were because they... Uh, They've started slipping, and who knows where they'll end up if they slip any further. Burnley, they are at home to West Ham. So, uh, last time out, Burnley, where are we? They were they were beaten uh, by Bournemouth 2 Oh, no, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong page. Uh, they were beaten by Arsenal 3 1. So, uh, West Ham, let's see what they did last time out. Uh, West Ham, they beat Nottingham 3-2. So, um, where are we going with this one? Burnley, West Ham. Look, Vincent Company, Vincent Company has got, he's he's got a lot of problems. Um, I mean, as a man, I think he's really, really a nice gentleman and a great player. Um, but obviously, he's got a youngish team up there. They've, um, uh, I don't know, they've had Sean Dyche for so long. Um, maybe he's too kind with them. I don't know. What do you think? It might be that, Vince, actually. I don't, I don't, know, uh, I don't know what Vincent Company is like when he's actually on the training pitch. Um, he was a very competitive player, but a very nice man off the pitch. Um, but they've lost the last five in a row. They're at the bottom of Burnley on uh, 12 matches and four points. They've got to do something. 
ah, well, we've got to do something. <laughs> Are they going back down again? Um, I think they will give give West Ham a good run for their money, but I can't see Burnley winning it, to be honest. Give us a score. Uh, uh, one wins. Okay, I think I think it'll be a one-two, and we go to Sheffield. They're at home to Bournemouth. We've just had their matches. Sheffield had a great draw against Brighton, um, and Bournemouth beat Newcastle. So they both should be buoyant. Both of those teams, shouldn't they? They should be, um, and they're both um, in the relegation fight, if you like. Although we're early in the season, still we're not that early in the season. It should be a good match. Sheffield United at home. I'll put it down to three-one. Sheffield United wins. Wow. Okay. Well, I think uh, Bournemouth uh, will win this one. I think it'll be a two-one to Bournemouth. I think the key will be Dominic Solanke if he plays well. Um, he, he didn't really reach his full potential at Liverpool. I, I like watching him play. I think he's a good player. I think the the Bournemouth team have got a nice they've got a nice attitude by the looks of what I see. Uh, we'll go next to um, Brentford Arsenal, which of course is a London derby. Um, Brentford, I think they played at Liverpool, didn't really excel because uh, their manager is a good manager and uh, I didn't feel that they performed. Uh, a couple of silly um, excuses came up for their loss. But anyway, uh, and Arsenal are still looking good. So what do you think of that one? Yeah, Brentford were quite disappointing last time out, were they? Uh, I thought they'd give it more. But uh, this is a difficult one, but Arsenal... Is Arsenal, and uh, I think Arsenal will win this one-two uh, to One-two. I've got two-three. Um, Spurs are playing Aston Villa. Uh, last time out, Spurs they lost to Wolves two-one at Wolves. Uh, Villa won three-one at home to Flame. So, uh, your thoughts on this one, please. I think this could be a surprise, well, a surprise. I think Villa could actually win this um, because Tottenham, the Spurs, had a good start to the season, but it was like the uh, the King is in the all together, wasn't it? The King's new clothes. There was nothing really to back it up. Um, and I think Villa won um, form. I'll put this down as a one-through to Villa. Mate. OK, well, Spurs have got to do something because they've got a bit of a slide going. I think they will... Managed to turn it round, probably a 2-1. Uh, so, who knows? I mean, as I say, uh, guessing is anybody's game. But I quickly must also add that Rob's been pretty accurate this year, shading our forecast every week at the moment. Um, Everton are at home to Manchester United. This is always a good fixture for Everton. Um, Man United, they're getting stuffy again. They're managing an odd goal here or there. And uh, that, to me, suggests you not not just Fergie time, just being stuffy and probably might be saving um, the the manager's scalp. Although, of course, uh, if he puts a hat on now and again when it rains, it would help him. Um, So, Everton, um, this is dreadful, the things that are happening to Everton at the moment. Um, They certainly don't deserve to have been deducted 14 points so quickly when Manchester City are blatantly and patently at fault for their shenanigans, as are Chelsea. And I think that this is, again, it's kicking uh, a team at the bottom uh, because they probably haven't got as much as Chelsea or Manchester City have in money terms. 
Um, you know that Everton is close to my heart. I started out as an Everton fan. Um, it was only when they, they sacked Johnny Curry, the Irish manager, and brought in Harry Catterick that my dad said, I've packed up, I'm not going to watch Everton anymore. That was a time when there was honour amongst thieves. People didn't do things like they do these days. OK, um, again, your thoughts on that one then. Everton, Manchester United. Well, Everton really deducted the points. Um, I think it was very unfair as well. It's, uh, uh, I think most people do. Uh, most people I've spoken with do, at least. Yeah. And uh, they, they were on good form. I mean, they, uh, they had 16 points before they deducted the uh, 12. And Man United are on, are, are on the ropes, really, are they? I mean, the manager, he's got to go soon. Sooner or later, sooner than later, I would say for my new fans. I can think Everton, if the team's up for it, they'll take this off the chin. They're professional. They should win this, I think, Everton. And I think they'll do it 3 1. Okay, well, you know, there's no doubt in my mind. I like the club, I love the traditions of the club. I do like their manager, who used to be Burnley's manager, Sean Deitch. If anybody can save that club from going down, he's the man to do it. If anybody uh, can perform on the pitch, I think Calvert-Lewin is the guy that I think can galvanise, or is it Calvinise? whichever way. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, there's too much of this nonsense going on. I hope they rescind and give Everton those points back, but I don't think it'll happen because I think they're getting away with murder. All these so-called authorities, they make me absolutely mad, and I'm really sorry to say for any of my uh, Everton friends uh, that you've had to put up with this as well. I mean, it's bad enough getting your team going again. They are beginning to play well. I think Sean Dyche will save you, and I wish you well. That's, a, what, that's all I'm saying for that one. Okay, I, I agree with you. Charm Dash is he, he's he's the man, isn't he, to get them? They're, they're only they're only two points uh, in the in the relegation zone after the deduction. Charm yeah. Dash is always up for a fight, isn't he? Yeah, and um, I, I think I think he'll dig him out. I think he'll stay up. It's, it's, it's a pity what's happened. Yeah. Okay. Our last uh, game to predict then is Fulham are at home to Wolves. Um, as we said, Fulham. They. Uh, what did they do? I can't remember what they did last time. I have already mentioned it once, and I can't remember. Um, ooh, can't see it. Fulham. Oh yes, there we are. They got beaten by Aston Villa at Villa, and Wolves had a great victory. Um, so that was uh, no, they didn't. They drew uh, with. I, I can't see that one either, but never mind. Give us your thoughts. Uh, Fulham lost at Villa, as I say, and Wolves beat Spurs 2-1. There we are. OK, so um, your thoughts on that one? Well, this is a mid-table match, isn't it, between the pair of them. Um, I'll put, I'm going to ask you to put it down. I don't do this very often. I'll put this down as a nil-nil. OK, and I put it down as a Fulham 1, Wolves 2. Uh, I think it's Nevin, the the guy's name. Um, I mean, there, there's a great spirit in Wolves still. So, um, you know, let's just hope that there's... Um, yeah, now... Yeah. Yeah. I, no. I, I was doubting between going for Wolves or going for a nil-nil, but I don't often do nil-nil, so I thought I might as well go for it. 
Okay. All right. Now then, we've got about four minutes left. So I I wanted to have a quick look at the championship because these are the teams likely to come back um, and join the Premier League. Leicester City, uh, they had, uh, they've had two defeats and Ipswich Town have had two draws. While that's been going on, Leeds have gone on a run. Um, They have had uh, three uh, four wins and a, a loss over the last five games. Uh, Southampton have had uh, four wins and a draw. Um, and so the uh, situation at the top is Leicester uh, have got 39 points alongside Ipswich on 39. Now, Leeds, are f- are f- uh, they're eight points adrift. But if they can keep playing the way that they've started to play... And you know as well as I do, they shouldn't be in the championship. Um, but then again, these are great names, all these top six teams. Leicester, Ipswich, Leeds United, Southampton, Preston North End, Sunderland reading down the table, West Bromwich Albion 7, Hull City 8, Cardiff City 9, uh, Middlesbrough 10. I mean, these are all teams that have played in the uh, Premier League um, at some point in their uh, careers and um, quite frankly uh, it's going to be quite a battle to get that third um, uh, outfit to you know the, the, the three to six um, to go to uh, take the second spot from Ipswich or maybe even catch Leicester City can Leeds do it it's your team what do you think um, if they continue the way they are then they definitely need a playoff place uh, but hopefully, for, well, nothing against Ipswich fans or, or Leicester fans. I've got great respect for Leicester, um, especially after winning the uh, Premier League a few years ago. But if they drop form and the Leeds continue, we might get a, an automatic place. Going into the playoffs, when you go from three to six in the playoffs, we've been there plenty of times before, before we actually got promoted by coming first. Um, and that is a lottery. Um, and, it, it, it's impossible to predict. So I'm hoping that Leeds will get a top two place. If not, at least in the playoffs, they've got a chance. But as you say, all the, all the other teams are in that sort of the top half, at least, of the uh, championship, they're all uh, household names, really, aren't they, in the world of English football? Yeah. Um, I was also keeping an eye on Wrexham because obviously the, the fairy tale coming from the National League. Uh, looked as if it was progressing nicely, but they uh, got beaten 2-0 at the weekend. Um, I still would love to see them go up to Division 1, which is only really still, you know, you've still got a lot to do. But when we did that story last week about the managers, the owners, and how wonderful some of their actions have been, I've got to say, I do wish them well, uh, which I'm pretty sure you feel the same with that one. Oh, I do definitely, Vince, and I think uh, most most people uh, do, uh, because unless they're excellent supporters who are going to be fanatical about it, um, Wrexham is like a neutral team for most people, but I think most people see what's going on there and uh, are, are really behind them. Yeah, they're, they're sort of like the second team you would support, aren't they? Yeah. Okay, now as we coming, yeah, as we're coming to the end of this podcast, I have to say that uh, it's a shame that we've got to be talking about transgender issues when realistically we're talking about half a dozen people in its entirety. 
But the nonsense has got to stop. And it's these organisations who are making the problems that never should exist in the first place. If you've got a football team with a big burly centre-half, you used to, as a male, you used to be intimidated. You knew that you were in for an afternoon of being booted around the football pitch. So when a bloke who can't manage to get into a man's team decides to maybe um, go the other route and get into a ladies' team, uh, I'm sorry, I see shades of that in this. Um, I'm being unfair, probably. Okay, let me just um, leave you with the last word then, Rob. Yeah, it's a very strange situation, that one, isn't it, Vince? And, uh, well, one, one that, uh, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't make any detail of it, to be honest. Okay. But, uh, there's been interesting people, hasn't there, talk, talking about things today. We always confront issues, don't we? That's we basically. we do. Catch, catch you next yeah, week, Rob. Catch you next week. Bye. 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 B